I think if you learn from the past, there's a good chance the future will be different. It's just so great to see such a passionate fan base here in Vancouver. They've been waiting a long time for this. Your support is what's going to make winning a Stanley Cup in this city so special. And I got a feeling it's going to happen very soon. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 8 of Canucks Cast. Today we're going to be talking about the hiring of Todd McClellan and the, to the Edmonton Oilers and the hiring of Mike Babcock to the Toronto Maple Leafs and talking about the Western and Eastern Conference Finals. All that and more on this episode of Canucks Cast. And I'm joined by, by Son Spence and you can find him on Twitter at Spence Canucks. I'm Sam Alexander 300 and you can find, find us on 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 iTunes and on our website at www.connectsblogcast.wordpress.com. So, Trev, so Son, what do you think of the hiring of Tom McClendon to the to the Edmonton Oilers? Um, I thought it was a <clears throat> a pretty good hire, considering there's been going after rookie coaches for a while. I think uh, Tom McClendon is definitely going to help. Yeah, he was one of the most sought of sought of one of the most sought of sought of coaches out there. Why do you think they always went after Todd instead of going after Mike? Hello? Yeah, can you still hear me? Yeah. I was gonna say as I was saying, why why do you always pursue after Todd instead of going after instead of going after Mike? Well, they wouldn't have been able to afford Mike Babcock, so it wouldn't matter. Hmm. So, with with the hiring of so the hiring of 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 Todd to the Oilers, what do you think is what do you think is going to change for them going into next season? Well, they're going to be a much better team. They've got an experienced head coach now. I I, I could see them making the playoffs with Todd McCollum. Yeah, and and one. And how far do you see them? And once they do make the playoffs, how far do you see them going once they do make the playoffs? Well, I have no idea. The playoffs, who knows with the playoffs? Like I said last night, a lot of it has to do with the playoffs is the luck. A lot of it. Hmm. And the Oilers have lots of skill. Yeah, and plus they'll be adding Connor McDavid to the roster. Once the once the NHL draft comes along, yeah. So you think that was part of the reason that Todd signed with with the Oilers because of Connor McDavid? Oh, probably. Um, like, who, who wants to go to Edmonton? Basically, nobody. Because they've been. But as soon as Toronto, like. As soon as uh, I heard today that there was a bidding war and Toronto was involved, uh, I even said that's where Mike Babcock's going because you can't outbid Toronto. You just can't. No. Toronto has more money than anybody else does. Yeah, and speaking of Mike Babcock, they think the they think the Leafs will have a much better season going into next season with under the head of Mike Babcock. They'll definitely be a lot more organized. The players, players uh, on that team, well, the, the the kind of meat and potatoes kind of players are going to have a much better success under Babcock. And um, what does this mean for Phil Kessel? I mean, he's one of the 
most recognized players on the least roster. So what does that mean for him? Does he, is he, do you think he still stays or goes? And if he does stay, how well do you think he'll perform under Mike Babcock? I don't know. The, the Toronto media seem to think that Bill Kessel's still going to be gone, but they're probably going to have to give him up for pretty much nothing because of his contract. Well, for one, I know the contract sucks, but for one, I can't really blame the least for signing him. I mean, he's one of the most talented players out there. I mean, he's a goal scorer, pure and simple, and the and he's one of the best out there. I'm not comparing him to a veteran uh, Stamkos, but he comes a close sword to that. Oh, I, I wouldn't say that at all. He's more of uh, in in a Bravada kind of league. Hmm. Yeah, but he always puts up tons of points on the lease, even though they don't have really have a great team around him. What was that? I was saying that he always puts up points, even though the Leafs don't have a great team around him. I, mean, I think last season he put up around 70 points. Uh, no. Last season he had a pretty bad year. In fact, he gave up on the Leafs last year. Hmm. And if he's, and if the me is saying if the Leafs are going to trade him, where do you think he's going to be ended up? Whoever has enough money to um, to have that contract on their books. Hmm. Yeah, and what teams would those be? Oh no, I could see a Florida try to go after him because Florida is close, and Dale Talon has the money and doesn't really care about spending it, so. Yeah, he doesn't really care about it at all. I mean, Phil Kessel with, with the young roster they have with Balkoff and Hivado, uh, that would seem scary to me because those two because those two players are going to turn into really good players for the Panthers. Which players is that? Balkoff and Hivado. Yeah, I guess. Oh, do you not see them turning into great players at all, even though they were selected high in the NHL draft? Oh, no. They need, they need uh, some more guys around them, I think, to really turn into anything. I think they didn't have a, an excellent season last year. Yeah, they did. Partially that was due to the acquisition of Robert Longo. I mean, without him, they wouldn't have, wouldn't have finished as high in the standings. Well, probably not. And now I'd like to sift over to the conference finals and most importantly talk about the game just that happened last night. The, the triple overtime thriller, which... which Chicago won three to two in in the third overtime with Marcus Kruger getting a game winner. Your thoughts on that, Sean? Um. Well, it was a, a a good game. I still still by watching that game though, I just don't see Chicago being able to win that series. Wait, Anaheim is 
bigger, they're stronger. They still peppered Corey Crawford. Yeah, but Corey Crawford was excellent in that game, making 60 saves, a, a new career high for him. And once, and I could, and you're, and you're right, son, I could see the Anaheim, I could have seen the Ducks winning that game because they were pepping Corey Crawford with socks. But as you said they also, last... They also hit four posts in that game. Yeah. That was just pure luck for the for the Hawks that they managed to win. I mean, any one of those pure off the post shots could have gone in easily and won the game for the Ducks. But the luck went the way of the Hawks and they managed to win the game and tie the series 1-1. And now they have home ice advantage because the next two games are going to be at the United Center and the Hawks haven't lost there yet. So I could easily see them winning at least one of the, winning one of the two. I could see them winning at least one of the two at the United. Yeah. At the United. I, I, I think it's, uh, I called it to go seven and uh, that's what I think is going to happen. I, I don't, I have this sneaking suspicion that Chicago's not even going to make the playoffs next year, so. Yeah, due to the cap problems and having to let go of some players like Patrick Sop or, or or some of the good young players like Sop or Sod. Yeah, it's possible. But when in the last time they, that the Blackhawks had to do a roster unload, they still made the playoffs the next season. Yeah, they only um, made it to the... They didn't get out of the first round, though. Yeah, it's, that's because because that year they faced us and that was the year that Burroughs laid the dragon. Yeah. But it'll be interesting how they do because if they have unload someone like Sop or Hosa, it'll be interesting to see how they how they do without those without those players on their team. Now now, what really surprised me is how Tampa un- got six scores from Henrik Lundqvist in that playoffs, in that playoff game in Game Two. I mean, he hasn't given up six goals all playoff long, and Tampa just managed to get six pucks past him. Yeah, and that that's just you know one game. No goalie can stand on their head every single night. It's just you can't. Impossible. True, but. I don't think quick. I don't think quick in his entire playoff one when he first won the cup, when he was basically unscorable. I don't think he let in six goals in his entire playoff one. Well, you can't. You can't compare goalies to goal like uh, I think Henrik Lundqvist is a much better goalie than Jonathan Quick. Yeah, there's no question about that. But you're right, he can't stand stand on his head every night. But that's the way the Rangers were playing. They were playing close one-goal games, and they were really making Lundqvist stand on his head because they were just one save away from from basically losing the game because because they were playing so many one-goal games. Yeah, I think the Rangers are going to win tonight. Every time the, the Rangers have a bad night like that, they always bounce back with a huge effort the next game. True, but let's not forget where they're playing at 
to play on on the road in Tampa, and yeah. and Tampa ha, has had one of the best home records during the regular season, and they ha, and I think that will play a factor into it. I, I could easily see Tampa winning the first home game of, of the series against the Rangers. Uh, oh, yeah, but the Rangers also had the one of the best uh, road records in the league, so. True, they did, but I could totally see the Rangers winning today. Yeah, but they were saying about Henrik Lundqvist's record against Tampa against the season was was not good at all. I mean, I think his goals against average was a three point oh something and a save percent that was not even in in the nine hundreds against them. I mean. Yeah, that doesn't matter. That was the season. Yeah, but take. I think that played a key role with Tampa winning over Montreal. I mean, Tampa owned Montreal, and they only lost twice against them all season, including in the playoffs. So, don't you think that has? I mean, they were nine and two against them against them this season, don't? And that includes the regular season. So, if you have a team's number in the regular season it can help you in the playoffs because you can get into the it can help you mentally but that's it yeah because it can get into the the New York Rangers or Tampa players mind saying saying because 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 remember that game three against against Tampa well Tampa managed to win at the last second I think that kind of got into the Head of the Montreal players, saying, "How can we beat this team? Even when we have our best game against them, we can't seem to win. They seem to have our number. It gets into our head, saying we can't win against this team." No, I, I, I guess uh, they can think like that, but I, I, I don't think it really matters who gets out of the East, anyways, because the East isn't going to win the cup, anyways. Yeah, it would probably be Anaheim, and it'll be an, another year where the Cubs stays in California, and that to me sickens me because I'm getting tired of seeing California win the Cup. If it's not, if it's not LA, it's it's Anaheim. Well, Ducks Nation, rise up, Ducks! Uh, Anaheim hasn't won the Cup since '07, so you can't really say that. <laughs> yeah. But it's but I've noticed that in the conference finals, it always seems to be a California team in the conference finals battling for the for the chance to play for the Stanley Cup in the West. I mean, only in the last few years, ever since you've watched hockey. But before oh. that, that that never happened. But LA LA before they won the Cup went to the Stanley Cup final finals once. And got just beat down, even with Gretzky. Yeah. Well, you were talking last night about how how the Hawks have so much, so much experience in Stanley Cup Finals. You got to remember the Ducks have a lot of experience, um, even even in the Olympics. And the Olympics is more high pressured, and there's more people, more eyes watching you. It's way like. Well, playing in the Olympics is way different than playing in the Stanley Cup Fire. Yeah. And the players have even admitted that, that that was the most high-pressured um, 
tournament that they've ever played it played in in their lives. True, it is. It's definitely way more press. I mean, it's the best players in the world coming to coming to play in the Olympics, and it's really all the pressure's on you because everybody's watching you. The whole country, the whole world is watching you play. Exactly. So, the Olympics really has more pressure, and, and when you, and you, and if you win, go in the Olympics, it's so much better than winning the Stanley Cup because you're playing the best players in the world, and and it's really and it's really an accomplishment for yourself and for the team. Like you I, should, you should, you should actually, Alex, you should actually watch on the Olympics sometimes. Uh, maybe <laughs> last, last, no, but I'm talking 2010. Oh, the, yeah, yeah. Like the best, the best period of hockey I've ever seen a team play was when Canada played Russia in the in the uh, quarters. Jesus, a mugging. Like, seven one. Jesus, that, it, it, seven, I think it was seven four, wasn't it? Oh yeah, maybe some garbage goals, but yeah, that was a mugging. That 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 first period, that first period of that hockey game was the best period I've ever seen a team play ever, and I've watched a lot of hockey. Okay, but I'm talking as an individual. Maybe for Europeans, the Olympics mean more. But as a Canadian, would you rather have your name engraved on the cup or have a gold medal? I think they would rather want to have a gold medal because Olympics only happen once every four years. Plus, the Stanley Cup is basically every year, so you only have so you really don't have have much of a chance. Have have you know have a ch many chances well, of winning Olympic gold medal since it only happens every four years, but. But if you play on a good team like, I don't know, L.A., Detroit or something, you have a ch basically a chance every year to win the Stanley Cup, and you can't say that for the Olympics. If you also looked at the Olympics, too, it happens every four years, and if you watch the games, they uh, the players look like they're trying harder. They're, uh, and, and also, you put all these players together that have never played with each other before, majority of them, like that's hard to do and to be able to win in two weeks see the Russians the Swedes things like that they they have it a little bit easier because they play with each other they they play with each other a lot like even in the uh, summertime when hockey's over and things like that they go back to their home and they play alongside those guys all the time yeah and the bond that these players grow together through yeah. a couple weeks of playing hockey you see like Dan Andrews after winning the world championship. He looked ecstatic. Yeah. And congrats to Canada. Six six one against Russia. Yeah, I'm nobody saw that coming. And and did you hear about the the Russians left early during the yeah, anthems? Yeah. Apparently Ovechkin and Malkin are trying to keep the player on the ice, but nope. Yeah. Yeah, and that's a sign of disrespect to the t to to the team and to the country. I mean. I mean, that's not showing good sportsmanship. I mean, I've, I mean, even though you, even though you lost, you should at least show respect to the other team. I mean, they played a good game and and everything. And even though you lost, you still have to show good sportsmanship and everything at the end, at the end of the game. I mean, that's just not right. No, it isn't at all. No, I agree. They they, they should have uh, stuck around, but that's that's. Russia, Russia expects to win every time they're in there. They are ranked number one in the world, uh, country-wise, for a reason. And they just expect to win all the time. 
Going back to the Rangers, though, they could be down 3-1 in this series, in my opinion, and I still have them winning in seven. Their best players just haven't performed. Rick Nash only has two goals in this playoffs. Marty St. Louis, who's going to turn, what, 40 in under a month, has yeah. no goals and six assists. And, you know, St. Louis had a lot of opportunities, but... Eventually, he's going to explode. Yeah, he is. Like, like, this guy is so old, and, you know, he's not producing at the same rate, but, like, the scoring chances are still there. Yeah, and, yeah. I, and I do have a question about Martin St. Louis. I know he's old and, and all, but he's going to be playing... I think he's going to be playing for a while, but the question is... Once he does retire, who does replace him on the on the Rangers? I mean, who comes up and replaces him? Because he's such a highly skilled player and all, it's hard to replace someone like that. Well, I think the bigger I think the bigger question is, what is St. Louis' contract right now? I'm not sure, actually. Like that's something I need to search up because if he has another year left on his contract, he's going to keep playing. Yeah, and I I think this is a guy who who won't retire. I think maybe the Rangers won't re-sign him if he's a free agent after this year, but I know another team would. Yeah. Well, yeah, another team would, but I, I think that if he's ready to retire, um, then he'll go back to Tampa and he'll do like a one-day contract type thing oh, and yeah. retire as, as, a, as a Tampa Bay Lightning. I still don't... Do you know why he left? Was it because of the Olympic snuff? That, that had uh, something to do with it. But apparently he and wanted out well before that, like a couple years before that. Yeah, well, once LeCavalier left and Richards left, like, St. Louis was really the only guy left from that Stanley Cup team. Uh, Dave yeah. Anderchuk. Yeah, Anderchuk yeah. tired. Yeah. I mean, St. Louis is such a great player, and... And you're right. He needs to put. He need, just needs to produce for the Rangers, and that always seems to be a case when the Rangers go into the playoffs. I mean, the star players never seem to produce. I mean, last season in the playoffs, Rick Nash hardly produced in the playoffs. You got to remember too that, and and I, and if you were watching the game the other night when uh, when uh, New York uh, fell apart there towards the end, I don't know if you uh, heard Huey. Or not saying like Tampa's got to keep their eye on Chris Kreider because he started to run Bishop and he did it a few times. And last year, one of the four goalies that Kreider took out was Bishop. Yeah, no, he, he's a dirty player, but he's he's phenomenal come playoff time. Well, that one goal, that, that, that first goal that uh, Stefan scored, if you watch the replay, that goal shouldn't even have counted. Kreider skated um, through the crease, and as he did it, he slashed the stick out of Bishop's hand. And then about five seconds later, the puck went in the net. How about Tyler Johnson, though? Ten goals? Are you kidding me? Yeah, he's having uh, a good playoff run, for sure. Like, this is what we thought Jordan Schrader would be. Yeah, yeah Jordan Schrader, he's playing a lot better now, too, that he's uh, in Minnesota. It's just crazy, though. Tyler Johnson, undersized guy, undrafted, and this is what he becomes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that tells you that you shouldn't judge a player by its cover. I mean, he may be, may be small and undersized, but it doesn't mean he can't produce and become a great player and become a pivotal player for the, for the Lightning because I think he's a second-line center right behind Stamkos. 
And that triplet. So the only the only problem though is that later on teams will finally figure out. All right, we're shutting this player down, but this player is is killing us, and then they'll just put their big guys on him, and eventually, like taking um, all those hits. Like there wasn't hits um, the way there there is nowadays. Back back in the day when younger player like when uh, Flurry was playing, like there there wasn't dirt. The dirty that the players had more respect for each other back then. They don't now. Yeah. The thing about Tyler Johnson, people are like, "Oh, the Canucks. They should have had good nabs on this kid. He played for Spokane WHL. Every team missed out on him. Every team missed out that he scored 53 yeah. goals for Spokane in 2011." I know. Everybody always talks about the Canucks could add this person. The Canucks could add this person. Well, so could have 30 other teams. Yes, but 30 exactly. other teams passed him by too, like Lucic, for instance. Lots of teams passed Lucic by before he got picked. Yep. It, it, that's just the way the way the draft happens. You don't know what you're going to get in the draft. You a lot of people go by uh, go by uh, uh, central scouting and go by um, the rankings there and then just pick from that. But then sometimes it just doesn't work out. Yeah, it's just because we're uh, really close to uh, WHL and we should. Be drafting only WHL players like Kevin Bieksa played in Bowling for Bowling Green State University, which is in Indiana, close to Chicago, St. Louis, what have you. They didn't pick him up. No one's blaming them. Mm -hmm. It's all thirty teams. Yep. Yeah, it is all thirty teams, and and when you and like last night when I was talking to you, Alex, and you were and you were saying, and I told like I was saying that the Olympics like usually mean more um, to a player and you said well um, Luongo has won two goals and Hamhuis has won a gold why can't they win it for their team it has nothing to do with those players being crappy on their team like that's why I brought up Wayne Gretzky when Gretzky left the Oilers what did he do after he left the Oilers nothing he didn't even win a cup with LA so does, I, that mean, I, does that mean he sucks no. I don't think that means he sucks it just means that he was on a team he was on a last place team when he went there. I still think the Stanley Cup means more than a gold medal. I mean, you see Luongo after Game 7 of 2011. He said that moment felt better than winning gold. So I think it just matters on the individual. Oh, it does. Like I've, I've heard Kane or uh, I've heard Taves and I've heard Carey Price both say that they, um, both of them say um, just this past year that this is what you start playing hockey for is to play for your country. He said, this is the reason why you play hockey, is to play for your country. That's what Carey Price said. Yeah. Because you don't get, not very many players get that, that opportunity. It, it A lot of times, it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. It is. And they, and that's why they say it's, it's more precious to them than the Stanley Cup. I mean, I mean, you won't see, I won't see, Think you would see Derek Dorsett or I don't know Jordan Sweater playing for Team USA anytime soon? I mean, those guys four flyers on the team. I don't think they'll ever be playing for their country and ever trying to win gold. And that's why it's more process. Those four flyers on the team, no matter what country they, well, I shouldn't say that, but the four flyers that are from from Canada and the U.S. to our Canadian U.S. they won't ever get a chance to play. For their country, I mean, you. I don't think you'll see Lapierre for playing for for Canada. No. Uh, that's that's right. 
Burrow, Burrow, Burrows was close to making the team, but that's just because Steve Eisenman really likes Burrows. I don't think he was going to ever have a chance. He was, there, he was on the short list. Well, was, you was, yeah, I mean, I would have taken Burroughs over Brendan Morrow for that team. Yeah, I know. Exactly. It's just crazy how good that 2011 team was. Taves centering the fourth line. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Well, that's true. Uh, that is crazy. Taves centering the fourth line. I would want to have him centering the first two lines. But I guess that shows you how deep... Kenner was at the center line. Yeah, Getzlav, Crosby, list goes on. Thornton. Oh, I take Getzlav and Perry on my team any day. And I hate I hate playing against them, but those guys are like all around players. They can get points and they can beat the crap on you. It, it, that that those overtimes yesterday were just last night. They were crazy. How many opportunities there were. It's already been two games in this series, and Anaheim has over a hundred hits. I, it just sucks for Anaheim because I think they should be up two nothing right now. Yeah, I think so too. And I know playing in the madhouse is hard, but I expect this series to be two two heading back for Game Five. Yeah. Yeah, so do I. I mean, it's going to be a a, a tight, cl- closely series. I mean, each, even though Anaheim has been out hitting their opponent and everything. And and stuff, but doesn't always mean when you out hit your opponent, doesn't mean you'll win every game. Well, it doesn't mean you'll win every game, but you go look back at the at the the past few Stanley Cup champions and find out who who has been on the more of physical team. That's the team that usually wins the cup. True, but because the, to be physical, like to be physical in a seven game series, is different than being physical during the regular season. Yeah, the last. The last finesse team or skill team to win was probably Detroit in 2008. Yeah. But back back when Detroit was uh, uh, was playing at the Avs all the time, like that was that was skill, but it was also brawls. Like you remember some of those brawls that they had, Patrick Waugh. Oh, yeah, Patrick Waugh versus Mike Vernon. Then uh, Osgood came in. Yeah. Draper getting nailed. From that, that was great hockey. That was just great hockey. Well, Claude Lemieux was a marked man in that entire... Well, for the next two years, because they yeah. played each other back-to-back. And I was a big Red Wings fan back then, and I hated Claude Lemieux. Looking back, though, I love the guy. Oh, he definitely gets under your skin. That's what his and, job is. Him and McCarty. Yeah. And, well, Claude and, Lemieux played Claude Lemieux. Have you seen the, uh, the interview with Michael Landsberg, McCarty, and... Lemieux in the same studio, and they're like, "Yeah, it was just hockey. We're we're all good now." Yeah. Well, I know emotions run high, especially especially in the playoffs. Lemieux got like threat. He had to get like hotel security in Detroit. Oh yeah, he. I he was like he was a, he was a marked man. Yeah. Yeah. Death threats. And speaking of that, and sp- like, I like to shift back to to Olympus for a second. And see how, how, how Te- Claude Giroux was willing to play with Sidney Crosby against. You know how much he hates Crosby once, and uh, once he plays for the Flowers. I mean, those Crosby and Penguins fights are always involving those two. Because it's uh, now you're playing for your country. You leave everything like that aside. Yeah, but like Lacavalier fought again. 
Yeah, the Cavalier and the Gimla fought in 2004, and they're probably all good now. They love to play together. Yeah. Well, back in the day when the Cavalier wasn't was good. Yeah. Well, I, I remember Kessler and Aguilma having a fight. Yeah, they fought yeah, a couple times. Into my life. Back to Aguilma, Aguilma won, but that was a great fight. Same with Oland and Aguilma. That was another good fight. Aguilma again won. But and I think Willie fight. Mitchell fought him too. Yeah. Aguilma didn't lose very many times. Aguilma was a great fighter. Yeah. I, I still wouldn't want to make him bad. Yeah. And well, actually, I remember again the fought Kessler last season. Yeah, but well, I can't really remember if I did because I I don't because I don't really will when I'm really watching much Ducks games Ducks games this season. But that's the difference between between uh, the Ducks and the Hawks is like Tate and Caves are good, but they're and Taves is a good is a good. Uh, 200 foot player and like Kane just sits there and cherry picks around the blue line and waits for the puck. But see with Getzlaff and Perry, you're getting a lot more for your dollar yeah. out of those guys. Those guys can beat the tar out of you. I thought last night Perry was the best player on the ice for both teams. Yeah. And most people will laugh at you if you say, I prefer Getzlaff and Perry over Taves and Kane, but I would. Yeah, me too. Yeah, plus, uh, plus I don't think Kane was willing to crash to the net the way Perry did to get that game five overtime winning goal against Calgary. I don't see Kane ever crashing to the net and doing something like that. He's not that kind of he's not that kind of player. He can score goals and everything, but let them look, he got hurt this year. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say, and that's why I think Perry is better than him because he's willing because Perry's willing to crash to the net and get to those rebounds in in the crease, while Kane isn't willing to do that at all. He just sits on the blue line or or sits on, on the face of the circles waiting for one time as they come to him so he can suit the puck. Last night in overtime, that one play where he got um, almost a partial breakaway when uh, when uh, the Ducks started taking it out of their own zone and then it got stripped. Kane didn't even leave. He, he just left the, the, the attacking zone and he stood there on the blue line and waited to see if the puck was going to come back to him and it did. But there's a chance that it didn't, and then all of a sudden, um, the Ducks would have had numbers going the other way. Yeah, I can see that because... So, Oates is a much better two-way player than Kane is. Much better. Yeah, he is. He is, but a much better player, but, but still, he can't argue with the performance that he's done in the playoffs. I mean, he's almost a point per game in the playoffs. I'm not saying he's a better player, but... His points speak for themselves. Well, yeah, Getzlaff and Parity are, are one, two in the playoffs. True, and I think you're right. I rather have them on my team other than Taze and Kane. I mean, they're willing to cross hip, bane bodies, and do whatever it takes to score goals. While Taze and Kane aren't willing to do that to score. Yeah, but that that uh, back to that Babcock uh, contract. That yeah. was like the biggest contract you've ever seen a coach get. And like I wasn't on years, when you guys were talking about it, but do you think eight, this is a... Yeah. Eight years, $50 million. And most of that money is going to be paid in the first couple of years. Yeah, he, the first couple of years, uh, apparently the first three years, according to Bob McKenzie, he's half making it, $8 million. Half eight of it's going to be paid out in the first three years. Yeah. 
Yeah, he's getting I, I think he's getting twenty four million in the first and, year. And Babcock is a straight shooter. I think he'll admit that he wanted the money. It's an offer that he couldn't refuse, and it seemingly came out of nowhere because we went to sleep last night thinking it's either going to be Detroit or Buffalo, and Buffalo well, then thought I they heard, really had I, him. I, I, I heard today that uh, Toronto was back in, and it was uh, like a bidding war between uh, between uh, Toronto and like everybody else. And I said, "Well, if it's a bidding war, then Toronto's going to get him." Because the Sabers were pissed, though they thought they had Babcock. There's no way. There's no way you can outbid uh, Toronto ever. Nope. You just can't. The, the Leafs no, are the no. Yankees of, any, of the NHL. No, no. If if they go, if Buffalo were to match that, they'll be like, "All right, we'll give them seventy-five million dollars for eight years then." Like also, the, breaking the new, yep, the Blues have named Martin Verder assistant GM. Oh, really? Which is very odd. Like, I thought this is a guy who would be working for the Devils. Yeah, it's so very, It's just so odd. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you, Trevor. It is odd. I mean, he spent his whole career, basically, I was going to say whole career, the majority of his career, yeah, yeah, yeah. as a Devil and on, just to see him working for the Blues. Kind of seems like a bash last to the organization to the team he he won three Stanley Cups for and everything I mean I could so, I could so see though Berder play, um, um, learning um, from a great organization and a winning team getting some wins under uh, getting some some playoff experience in that and then when the Devils get better him going back to the Devils but the whole the whole signing of Broder for three years as an assistant general manager it's almost like if Linden went to the Islanders because he played a couple of years there. It, it's just odd. No, yeah, it is odd. Now, Linden is a little bit different because he went to the Islanders, didn't want to go when he got there, um, and he ended up coming back here. Yeah. Where, where Broder never went back to the Devils after, after he was done in St. Louis. What do you think of the Babcock and Toronto thing? Well, I think it's, yeah. I think it's a Babcock guy who is, just... Go ahead. Babcock is the best the best coach in the league in this era. And, like, if you want the best, you have to pay for the best. And Detroit, there was no way De- Detroit was going to be able to, to match that offer. And eight years for a coach, that doesn't happen. I, I think Babcock's almost following the footsteps of, of Bowman, where, you know, Bowman left... Montreal in what nineteen seventy nine, and I think Babcock wants a bigger opportunity, a higher paying one, and he sort of wants a dual position. And he's not going to be the GM, but he's going to have one of the final says. Along yeah, with he's going to have he's going to be in charge of of player personnel and rosters and things like that. Yeah, like don't so, be somebody that'll be the, quote, the GM, unquote, quote unquote. GM. But he is pretty much but, the GM. Yeah, it, everything will have to go through Babcock. It's the same thing with betting here. When Linden got hired, and Linden even said that the Aquilinians gave me full control uh, and final say over um, all roster decisions and all player personnel. Like, betting is quote-unquote the GM, but everything has to go through Linden. Like, if, you, if you've noticed, too, in the playoffs, when we were playing Calgary, betting... Um, uh, went went on a vacation and went doing scouting and Linden stayed back and was here when the team was playing. Benning wasn't even here for all the games. I just think it's uh, a win-win situation for Babcock. If he somehow pulls this Toronto team out of me- mediocrity, 
then Babcock's the best coach of all time, maybe? Honestly. Well, he, he can't be the best, best coach of all time until he has as many championships as Scotty Bowman does. And I don't think he's got enough time in his career to do that. But, but even if they don't make the playoffs next season, or well, they probably won't, but even seasons after that, it'll be like, okay, yeah, the Leafs just, it's 40 years of whatever. Yeah, it is. And like you said, you have to, if you want the best, you have to play for the, you want to, if you want the best, you have to pay for the best. I mean, I think that's what the, the Penguins did with Crosby and Tate and with Crosby and, and and what the Penguins did with Crosby and what the Blackhawks did with Tate and Kane. I mean, they gave them gave them huge sums of money. I mean, Tate and Kane are basically going to get ten million dollar contracts. And and well, that's what their cap hit is ten point five million. That's the cap hit. And that, and I think that was that that was Stan Bowman. That was completely absurd to give um, a cap hit like that to those players. They, like they're paying they're they're paying twenty one million dollars for two players on a salary cap that may go down this year. Hmm. Yeah. Like that's completely insanity. It is, but you gotta think that Scotty Bowman didn't have a choice. I mean, without those no, Stan Bowman, Stan Bowman, sorry, but mm-hmm. without without them, the team is not as good. I don't really see them making a playoffs or a strong of a push for the for the cup as 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 they usually do without those two players. So, what did Stan Bowman have? What did Stan- well, he could have structured the contract differently, like like Luongo's captain is only five point three three. But his first uh, uh, his first year uh, on that contract, he made ten million dollars. Mm-hmm. Like he could have structured the contract differently so the cap it wasn't so big, so you'd have room to sign other players because they've got so many RFA's and UFA's this year. This year, it's just insane. They've only got five million dollars left on the cap, and they still have like six or seven RFA's and about the same for UFA's. And they got five million dollars left. You're right. They do have a lot of RFAs and UFAs coming up after the end of at the end of the season. I mean, one of I mean, one of them is one of the key players, like Brandon Saad. He's an RFA at the end of the season. And so yeah, is, he's he's gonna want like he's gonna want at least five. Well, I, no, I don't think he'll get that much in his first his, his first contract. I think he'll get like three and a half, three maybe. Yeah, and let's not forget about and let's not forget about Brad Richards, who they signed to a one year contract just for just for the season. Yeah, he he won't be resigned. He won't be back. He's officially Vinny the Cavalier territory, where he'll be bouncing around on one year, one haul deals. Yes. Like he's lost such a big step. If He's we could get him, if we could get him for the right price, I'd take him, and uh, then we'd have a little bit more depth. I I take him as a replacement, pretty much for Lyndon Bay, because Lyndon Bay was brought in as a power play specialist almost in that slot, and I think Brad Richards still has some value on the power play. Yeah, and we struggled with the power play, so it'd be perfect. We struggled until Yannick Weber got put on the point. We got to figure out our we got to figure out our point. Yeah, we because need if, we don't have, if we don't have a point guy, then everybody knows. Well, we don't have a guy that can run run a power play from the point, then everybody on the team knows that the puck is going to be going through Henrik Sedin. 
So all so they do is they stick everybody near Henrik Sedin. Well, and that's why they keep getting deflected or the passes keep getting picked off because everybody knows where the puck's going to go. Well, at the same time, it's nobody even guards Henrik Sedin. Nobody even yeah. guards Henrik Sedin because they, they know he won't shoot. Yeah. No, and when he does shoot, it's the worst it's shot just, you've ever seen. It's a saucer pass. It's a saucer pass. And that, shot, that shot in the playoffs that he took from the blue line? And like it looked like uh, I thought I thought I had to check my remote to find out if I was on uh, if I was watching this game in slow motion. <laughs> like the, the puck was just end over end, and it was like, okay, come on, get there, get there. Like the goalie had uh, had had a week to get over and get the puck. Yeah, and speaking of the power play, I think what they need back is Christian Ehrhoff. Benning should really look at, at getting him, and maybe for at least a a short-term deal and see maybe if reuniting him with Edler will help reignite that power play. I mean, when the... When we, the we can't afford Erhoff, though. No, Erhoff, Erhoff is on a long-term deal. Erhoff, no, yeah. no, no, he was like, he was bought out by Buffalo and then he signed a one-year deal with the Penguins, yeah, so he's... Yeah, a, so he's he, a, oh, yeah, that's right. He, he's a free agent. There's tons of Penguins defensemen that are free agents, including uh, Paul Martin. But I think Erhoff's going to command at least <laughs> five, and we just can't afford that. Well, well, maybe he's winning. And, and the other problem with Erhoff, too, and everybody was always talking about how good Erhoff was and that, he was absolutely horrible, horrible at giving the puck up on the blue line, on the power play. He was brutal at it. How many times do you remember all of a sudden him on the power play with the, with, uh, with the puck at the point, and he'd try to make a shot or make a pass or something like that, and it'd be a breakaway the other way. Listen, the guy was a minus 27 with Buffalo last season. And I know Buffalo sucks, but still. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if you play on a... But that's, that's easy to say because if you play on a bad team and finish, finish, one, and finish bottom of the league, of course you're going to have a, a bad plus minus. I mean, if you finish so in the league, what are the odds of you having, I don't know, a plus two or a plus five when you finish so if in the league? I mean, I'll go on back on my. I'll go back on my thing. I, we can. We could afford Airhoff if we, you know, traded Higgins for a pick or what have you. It's just, do we even want him we at that to, salary? I think we need to get rid of a defenseman. And just a, a, a few days ago, Bieksa still said the same things that he doesn't want to leave. Um, I have a feeling that if a defenseman goes, I have this feeling it's going to be Hanhus. Because did you see? Yeah. Did you see how well Hanhus and uh, Brent Burns played together? Yeah, I know. I'd love to get Brent Burns on our team. Uh, that's what, available. That's what I was about to say. It's, I think it's either like Brent Burns is coming here or Hanhus is going to San Jose. I can see that very well happening. Yeah. Because they played Unreal together. Yeah. They did. Did really the, chemi- the chemistry was just simply there. Yeah. I could see Ham Hughes uh, waving his no-trade clause, too. Um, it, it, at least it would be easier for him to wave it than the other players. Sim- for the simple fact, those, the, the other players that have been here have been here so long. They've, been, they've basically grown up. Like, their wives know each other's wives. Like, the Exa, Edler, Hanson, Burroughs. Like, the, the list goes on. They grew up playing together. Ever since they turned pro, I don't think Hans would mind waving his trade clause to go to uh, San Jose, and that's no, the same reason I was. Of, yeah, I San was Jose is on a fire pick. 
I'm surprised Babcock didn't go to San Jose, to be honest. That's a really good place to settle I down with Babcock, your family. I think Babcock looked at that and said, that, that, that place is a mess. Like, Joel well, Thornton with the calling GM, out Doug Wilson's a joke, that's why. And, GM, and, and, and Joe Thornton calling out his GM and GM calling out Joe Thornton. Like, it's just a freaking mess there. Why would you want to enter that? But how about entertaining L.A., though? And I'm surprised why the Kings wouldn't consider firing Sutter and going after Babcock. Yeah, I think Sutter. I think Sutter is. Uh, There's so much friction I, there, man. I think his time has been is, is done in L.A. Yep. He might still be back, but Sutter has always been a coach where he only has about a three to four year shelf life. Yep, that, that's Dean Lombardi's team. That's Dean Lombardi's team. Yeah. Like like it happened in San Jose uh, when Daryl Sutter was the coach. It happened in Calgary. San Jose too. Yeah, San Jose. Yeah, San Jose, uh, Calgary, and now it's happened in LA. But like he's just a real like he's an old school hard coach to play for. Like how can you how can you play for that guy though when he walks into the dressing room and can't even speak? Yeah, well, we don't know exactly what happens in the dressing room, but like yeah, for like. Having having an interview with him, like... Uh, what the uh, hell's going on, buddy? That must, that must make the media's brain hurt. And he thinks like, he's he funny, too. And it's like, yeah, I know, and then he laughs it off. He knows how the media is. He's been around the block a long time. And he... he, he Daryl Sutter knows... Like, he was in a Canadian market for a long time. He knows what it entails. Yeah, I can... Yeah, he's a so you're right about him being a hard note. Hard like note. I wouldn't, I would, I would go out and say that Daryl Sutter was the reason why they got him to the Stanley Cup final and won the Stanley Cup. Like I don't think that at all. Daryl Sutter got the, a good. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't think Sutter did anything to be honest. That was no. all Dean Lombardi with the tactical moves, with those big trades with Philly. Yeah, the Philly trade and the Columbus trade getting Jeff Carter. How about Philly, though, uh, naming Dave Hextall their new head coach on Sunday? I, I hate it because I, it's fine that he's a college coach, whatever, that's fine. Apparently, he coached Ron Hextall's son. Yep. Well, that's, it's kind that, of that's the, garbage. The, 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 the same adage that happened in Vancouver. Like, Benning came here because him and Lyndon played with each other, and and Willie Desjardins came from Medicine Hat. Like, uh, organizations are starting to go with what they're familiar with and who they know will will be on the same page as them. Because the last thing you want is to hire somebody and then them not be on the same page. Yeah, I can understand that. I mean... If you, if you, it's easy. I think it's easier for the organization to hire, to hire someone that's on the same page as them. I mean, if they're not on the same page, then you're not going to get along, and everything. And there'll just be friction between you and the team. Yeah. And. And I think he is going to get another contract extension just because Benning, even at the end of the year, he liked the way uh, uh, they got better as the year went on. That's what he said, anyways. He likes Spiza because he's good in scrums. Like, like he, they just signed that McKenzie guy. That's just another mammoth of a man. 
It looks like he's just trying to get as much meat and potatoes out there, and then it, like if if we can't win on pure skill, we're just going to win in the back alley. Yeah, and speaking of signings, the the Canucks finally signed Jordan Subban just two weeks before before the deadline, and lots of people were, were talking about saying, "When is he going to? When is he going to get done? When's it going to get done?" I mean, I mean. If he hadn't signed him, he would have been eligible to re-enter the draft and get drafted by someone else. Yep. And the Canucks finally finally signed just two weeks before the deadline, and I have to ask why they think it took so long just to sign just a simple entry level level contract. Yeah, but even with a with a player uh, um, that good. Um, sometimes it takes longer. Sometimes their 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 uh, priority is uh, something else on the team. Like you, you never know what what's going on with behind closed doors. True. You don't. And now that he's signed, I think he's going to be playing his next season in Utica in the AHL of the Comets. And I just have to wonder how well he would he do in his first season in in his first pro season playing with, playing with with actual pro guys or actually. Playing the NHL a little bit. We'll see how he does in the NHL. He is a very small guy, so we'll see how he uh, how he does. Yeah, and hopefully he's he was worth signing and and to wait for because if he turns out as as expected, I think he could turn into a pretty good power play guy for for the Canucks. Yeah, he definitely could. Great. Yeah, I wouldn't mind getting Tory Crew. Yeah, but I think that's what he replicates almost—a Tory Crew type defenseman. Listen, yeah. he was a fourth-round pick, so even if it doesn't work out, it, it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah, but still, you have to admit that Soup's, the real Suban of the Bulls PK was selected one round before him, a third round. So I think there's still a good chance of him turning out. Really well in the NHL. And well, that that you can't really base your decision on that. Like sometimes third round picks uh, do better than first overall picks. Yeah, it, it, it all depends. Like I said before, the draft you just never know. Like, yeah. like Edmonton could draft Connor McDavid. Connor McDavid could go out there in his first game, get hit really hard, and never play hockey again. Like those are just the risks you're taking when you're signing players like that. True, you are. But you know, I'm, what I'm really looking forward to once Jordan makes the NHL, him going up against his brother PK. Jordan Jordan versus PK. That'll be a fun match to see. PK versus Malcolm didn't go over well because Malcolm Subban sucks. Yeah. I think his first game led yeah. like four goals. Yeah, he didn't like even the, finish the game. Didn't even finish. It was like four goals on six shots or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, he, I, I was thinking just bases performance, bases NHL career off on just one game. I mean, I don't think he was really ready for. And I'm wondering. Yet. I'm wondering what's going to happen with uh, with the Eddie Lack contract because you noticed the uh, Hammond contract today. That isn't going to help Eddie Lack's camp very well. Well, because Hammond came out of the gates flying last year, and his annual cap hit is only one point three five million dollars. I think Hammond's contract was a 
I'm happy to be here. I think Hammond's still surprised that, he, that he's getting paid. Yeah. yeah. But still... But Lack still, still, still has a bigger sample size, to be honest. <coughs> so he'll get at least 1.5. Well, right now I think he's at 1.2 or 1.3. So at least 2 point, whatever. Probably yeah, three. it sounds like the Canucks only want to give him an extra million, and it looks like uh, Lack wants like four, four and a half. That's why I think we should trade him right now to a team yeah, like, a, like a St. Louis, like a San Jose, and get that get their late round first round pick. Or even trade him to St. Louis with uh, maybe somebody else and get T.J. Oshie. Lack and Cassian? There's been talk about Oshie. Um, getting traded at the deadline. Same with Bergman. Oh, I love Bergman, to be honest. I'm, he just he's super fast. He's huge. He's like a Marty Hansel. Yeah. And some kind of deal that involves Cassian. Cassian Lack. Yeah, I think Vertanen's going to be taking over Cassian's spot. To be completely honest. But I think if we want to get Bergman and Yosh and Oshi. You got to trade a prospect like a Shinkarik or a Jensen. And I think I think those kind of players um, have a good shot of being traded only because they're yep. not bending eyes. They're not bending picks. And I wouldn't have a big problem with that, except I think Cole Castles, after seeing the way he shut down McDavid in the playoffs, you, you can't trade that guy. Oh. You can trade Brendan Gaunt. Sure, and I love Brendan Gaunt. I hope he's on the team next season, but... Cole Castles, I, man. I don't think Unreal. there's going to be a lot of players, a, a lot of new players on the team. Like if you just look at it, unless unless Benning can pull off some miracles and get a whole bunch of like half our, more than half our team has no trade clauses. Well, so the, they've the, got to agree to the trade. The Sven Barzi trade officially buried Jensen in the minors. Yeah, like there's no and way Sven, he's coming out. Sven Barzi has to be on the team next year. Yep. Because he's uh, eligible for waivers next year, so if you uh, put bring uh, if you send him down, he he'll bring, get picked yeah. up by somebody. Oh, he sure. will make he will make it through waivers. Yeah, I know. I, know, I think I, know, I think it's a good thing that he has to make the team next season. I mean, the team has to get younger, and plus, and plus, I think he'll really do well on it uh, on the team. I mean, he's a scorer, and and the Canucks. Are lacking that. I mean, they have Vobara, but but besides, but besides Vobara, who else can they expect to score? Oh no, thirty goals in their team next Vibata, season. The only problem with Vobara is he does terrible in the playoffs. Always has, and that's the only problem with Vobara. And you could even see it in the Calgary series. He was staying to the outside a lot, and I know there was rumors about him being injured and. And not well and things like that, but and then Omar goes on and on and on about about <laughs> how the coaching the coaching is what is what ruined it for the the Canucks and how how can you put Hansen on, on a line with the Twins when Verbata's there? Well, Hansen Hansen was picked by the Twins to go on that line. Like uh, Willie Desjardins asked the Twins, "Who would you like?" And, and if you look at that entire roster, who who on that roster is as, as close to Burroughs as you can get? That's Hansen. Hansen can do the cycle. He can go in there Cassian, and separate I, I think Cassian. Also, he wasn't healthy back then, but uh, yeah, I guess this, the third closest is Hansen. 
Well, yeah, the only problem with Cassian is he doesn't use his... He doesn't work nearly as hard as Hansen does. That, that's true. Okay, got, yeah, the hard work and determination, sure. Yeah, and that's what Burroughs is. He's hard work and determination, and he gets rewarded for it. Cassian skates around, like, like as Tony Gallagher would say, sometimes he skates around with his feet up. Like, he does. He just, it, 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 sometimes it just doesn't look like he's interested. Have you seen him on the line shifts where he's going off the ice, he just raises his stick up and just glides off? Yeah. And, it's, like and, and and he, it's like he's playing beer hockey. When he's in the defending zone, he, he, he um, goes and he stands in between the two hash marks and, just <laughs> kind of and watches the puck go back and, and forth. And, and waves his stick. He waves yeah. his stick. <clears throat> it's like, come on, man. Like, try at least. Yeah, you know, I would say Hansen is a good... And you're right, it almost was one. I mean, the Twins have to say who they play with. I mean, are veteran players the, the, the leaders on the team and they said no, who, who they said... Who like they would. I said, as a rookie head coach, when you uh, when, when, when your top veterans, your top players, like the franchise players, say this is who I want, and you go against that and you put somebody else there and you're a rookie head coach, you have a risk of losing the dressing room. Yeah, you do. I mean, you're a rookie head coach and you don't want to lose a room and you want to listen and agree to the players. I mean, I mean, if you disagree with them, that creates friction and you can lose the room quickly like that. So, they thought they really didn't have much of a choice but to put hands on with the twins. Exactly. Yeah, and... And even though, even though everyone was saying put Vibato on there, but even so, Vibato wasn't wasn't producing at all in the playoffs, and I don't think putting him with with the Twins would have fixed that. Well, there wouldn't have been any cycle game. Like Vibato isn't a isn't a cycle player. They they scored a lot off the rush, but uh, Calgary was stopping them. Like the Sedins were the most successful in the player playoffs when they were when they were cycling the puck and they were just. Wearing down the, uh, the 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 Calgary Flames, that that's not the way that they play when Vermada's on that that line. That's just not the way they play. No, and Yoi Hansen is a good is a good cyclist. He he works hard and gets rewarded for his efforts. But he can't finish though. No, that's the that's the difference between him and Burroughs. Is they're both the same players. Burroughs has great hands. And Hanson has stones for hands. And that's why Steve Vernier didn't last long on the first line. Yeah. God, Steve Vernier. Now, now, to, to give Hanson credit, he did have a decent year point-wise and goal-wise. Oh, goal he wise. did. Yeah, he did. But, but look at all the breakaways that he had this year that he didn't score on. He could have had over 20 goals this year with the amount of times that he was on a breakaway. Like he's that fast. What he had, fifteen goals. Okay, yeah, yeah, he had sixteen goals. Sixteen goals. Yeah, he had a decent year, but he, had, he just he had, the, yeah, he had the second best statistical season since uh, twenty eleven or twenty twelve. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, he he had a good year, but look at all the times that look at all the the, the, the plays that he missed because of just not being able to score on the breakaway. That's why he's not. He doesn't go out there for the shootout. That's one of the main reasons that uh, Miller and Verbata were signed were because of the shootout. Verbata is one of the best uh, shootout um, players in the league, and Miller is the best goaltender 
in the league in shootout since the shootout has been implemented. Yeah, they're both having great in the shootouts, but I don't think the shootout will be going on for much longer because I think they're looking at maybe four on four, then possibly three on three in, in overtime if there's still a tie after regulation. They've been talking about that for years. I don't see that happening, though. That'll totally change um, the way of hockey. Like, three on three, that's pond hockey. And, uh, like, some some GMs have been asking for it, but you need it needs to go to a vote, and I don't think that'll ever get voted in. Why not? Would end like, do you remember? Do you remember when it was uh when we when it was three on three? I believe it was in overtime, and it was against the Ducks, and we had the Twins out there with, I think it was Sallow, and then uh, the Ducks had Getzlaff and Perry out there, and they had Niedermeyer. Niedermeyer scored on a breakaway in that game, wow. and he's a defenseman. I don't remember that. The fastest defenseman in the league. Well, but it's just things like that. Well, like, you, you, you can't have, and, and the Sedins aren't fast players. They're just not. No. They can't keep up with, with a Nita Meyer or, well, a lot of fast players. <laughs> nope. And, like, when you're watching the playoffs, you see these teams just skating. And when you watch the Canucks, it's, Slow mo, and that's the thing too. When it gets into triple overtime and things like that, that that year that they went, uh, they went to triple overtime against Dallas. I called the Sedins to uh, to to um, win that game because if you watch the Sedins closely, they really don't work all that hard out on the ice because no. they make those those two foot passes, right? They try so to conserve their energy, honestly. Yeah, they conserve their energy. So by the third overtime, everybody is gasping for for air. Well, the Sedins have barely broken a sweat. Yep. So as the games go on, the Sedins can get better because they conserve their energy a lot better. But they're not a hard-working line. They just, like, they, they, they were the ones that invented the slap pass. Now everybody in the league is using them. And they still can make those, those behind and through the legs and... And no look passes and things like that, like no other no other player duo can do. I agree. Well, yeah, well, there was a few times this season where Henrik Sedin passed it cross ice to Daniel, two uh, through two pairs of legs and over three sticks, and he did it consistently. It's like, was that just luck? But you keep watching it and he keeps doing the same thing. You're you. Just, you start thinking to yourself, maybe it's not luck. Maybe he's just that good. Yeah, he is that good. But it's a shame that he's coming to to an end in his career. I still wish his, I still wish he was around 25, 26 years old. Then the future would be looking a lot brighter for the team, and they would basically won't have yeah, to. Well, too, when they were that young, they weren't very good. <laughs> they weren't. They were. When when they were when they were like twenty five twenty six and then, then they weren't uh, all that great. So he only so it only came on doing doing when they entered their sorties. Is that basically when is what you're saying? Well, when they first started, the big knock on them was that they couldn't skate. Yeah, that was the big knock on them. It, like and any it took, like, player, they were they, they 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 were second line second line players for what the first three or four years. Yeah, West Coast Something Express like line was in front yeah, of them. West yeah. Coast Express was number one line. And they were, 
The Sedins didn't break up. Uh, look up the Sedin stats. If you look it up from when they started, 99, and you look, and they did, they did, they had mediocre years at that. They didn't break out until maybe the year after the lockout. Yeah, I was going to say 08, 09 is when they really... Well, that's when they were back-to-back, -back, right? 20, 2010 and then 2011 for the Art Ross. Yeah. yeah. yeah but and... back, in the, back, in, back when they made the playoffs against, uh, against Dallas, that was really the year that they started to break out. Yeah, 06, 07. I think, <clears throat> I think Daniel scored like 36 goals in 06, 07. The pinnacle of their career, though, was remember that game, the final game of 2010 against Calgary in the regular season. Like, it was like a 7-2 game, and yeah, and that that beautiful hat trick Daniel got, the, the, the Malik kind of in between the legs. Yes, the so that that was that peak of their career right there. That was, fun. and that yeah. was right off. The, that was he, Daniel had just scored. That was right off the faceoff. That was when Daniel, um, Daniel and Crosby were neck and neck for the Art Ross. No, that was the year Henrik was. Daniel got it the next year. Or Henrik was, that's right. Yeah. And remember, Henrik and, first, then Daniel. Yeah. If you remember the last game of the season, it was on a Sunday, and Pittsburgh was playing, and Crosby needed six, six or seven points to tie Henrik, and he had more goals, so he would have gotten the Art Rock. And the first half of the game, um, the first half of the game, Crosby ended up with five points. And I'm sitting there going, oh my god, is Crosby actually going to do this? And this is how this game he goes about five points. Yeah. He ends getting shut down after that. Yeah. Yeah. And basically, since it took him so long to, you know, break out and start producing, I'm not even sure if they were worth the second and third overall picks in their 99 drafts, since it took so long for them to... Some players take longer. Like, big defensemen um, take longer to groom. Nikita Triamkin. Well, Sedano Chera yeah. is a big example. Yeah, but but still, my point is to have to have Solon having them break out and then and then you know have once they pick their careers only once and then you know start fading after that. I'm not so. I know the top good players and top players, but not so after they were worth the draft pick since they could since. Well, you realize that they call it a career high, and Ray Ferraro beats this drum all the time, and they call it a career high. Especially when you're you're deeper into your career or you're in your prime, chances are you're not going to reach that career high again. That's why they call it a career high. Yeah, I can understand that, but what I'm meant to say is, if we reach a career high, and only fade, but not even to reach. Oh no, not even to perform as as not some say perform as well, but you know, I'm trying to say like like get close to it as you can like maybe five or ten points back or something and not and and to start you know start going down rather than going up that's why I don't think that's why I don't think they were worth the draft pick I mean I think I think that they should go go back and start deciding on uh, on how how goals go in and things like that like last night that was a beautiful, beautiful goal by Shaw. That was that took some brains to be able to do something like that. Got a headbutt goal. And, and as soon as I saw it, as soon as yeah. I saw it, I was like, okay, they're not going to count it. But in my opinion, everything that uh, you can score a goal any way you want to, except for throwing it in the net. I think you should be allowed to kick it in so, the net. So a high stick, a high stick. Well, a high stick, high stick, high stick though. It, uh, as soon as a high stick has happened, 
it's it's blown down because you're not allowed to knock down a puck with a high stick. But I'm talking, you should be able to kick it in. You should be able to head it in. Remember, these players um, practice, uh, like play soccer in the tunnel before every game. And you watch the defensemen, Kevin Bieksa, Alex Burrows, they kick the puck out of their zone all the time, and they're really good at it. Henrik Lundqvist, he heads the puck more times than I've ever seen any goalie ever do it. You know, you know what else he does? He bitches out at his teammates. You see him after that fifth or sixth goal? This yelling at the defenseman? Yeah. But I think that, um, that, that body parts, and like they brought out the rules last night, and not in the rule it says the head, it's just, it's a vague rule. So they either got to change the rule and let anything go in. It'll, it'll up the goals, and that's what Gary Bettman wants. Like, I, I, I looked at that shot going, I was like, all right, they're not going to count that, but that is a goal that I think should count. To be able to have, to be able to think about doing that while the puck is in the air and to be able to pull it off, like, that, that's amazing. That, t- that takes skill to be able to do that. Like you're this, you're using a helmet, it, it's going off your helmet to be able to have to aim it into the net. That is amazing. Like I was like, oh my god, this would and never they, happen. They showed the replay afterwards, and I knew I knew before they even showed the replay that he headed the puck in. Yeah, this would even never happen. believe it. And that's the thing is that has never ever happened in the NHL ever. If we're so the league about, was probably laughing too, going like, "What do we do now? Like, we've never seen this before." And at, did you hear Andrew Shaw at the end of the at the end of the game? He said, "He said I saw it. I I didn't know if it was against the rules or not. I it's never happened before, so I thought I'd give it a try." He goes, he goes, maybe the 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 Premier League will be scouting me now. That was his answer. If we want to talk about making the game more exciting. And if you guys watched the World Championships, and I'm sure you guys did, I think converting to Olympic-sized rinks is something well, I, you have to I, take a look at. I, I st- the only reason the owners won't do that is because to do that, they'll have to take out the first probably two to three rows yeah. of, their, uh, of their rink, and that's going to lose them money. Because, or, or if they do that, then, then the ticket sales are going to go up even that much more so that they can compensate for that money. That's the only problem with doing that. But I agree. I think it would be way more exciting. Yeah. Yeah. And plus... I think the European players would uh, definitely have the advantage, though. Well, in any case, I think it's time we wrap this episode up. Okay. Any closing remarks, Trevor? Son? Nope. Just... Can't oh. wait for tonight's game, I guess. I think I think the Rangers will win. I I'll take them winning three two, but I also wouldn't be surprised if they're down three one and come all the way back once again. Oh, I could see that. Alright. Yeah, as for my final thoughts, I think you're right, the Rangers will win the series against Tampa in six or seven games, but then lose to the Anaheim Ducks. And 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 the Ducks will win the Stanley Cup, and Kessler will win the Stanley Cup, and just rub it in the Canucks' faces. Now, unfortunately, I want AV to win it, but uh, I have this strange feeling that the Ducks are going to win it. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining us. You can find me on Twitter. I'm Sim Alexander 300. I'm joined by 
by Trevor Natch. We can find out Trevor Natch 16. And you can find Son on Twitter at Spence Canucks. And you can find us on our website at www.canucksblogcast.wordpress.com. And you can find us on iTunes. And be sure to rate and subscribe to us and tell us what you think. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week.